Hey, this is Felissa Rose. I'm Angela from Sleepaway Camp, and you're listening to Rock Video Rental. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Rock Video Rental. I am Brandon, and with me, as always, is Caleb. Caleb, how's it going? It is going. It's been living the life, you know, still in quarantine and doing a whole lot of nothing. So, how about you? How was your past week on the exciting life of Brandon? Oh, not too bad. Um, I just had Fourth of July weekend, so um, I ran a garage sale at our house, so I was outside in the almost 100-degree weather, sitting there all day, so it was pretty tiring. Uh, got a chance to relax and, you know, kind of float in the pool and have have a few beers, so it wasn't too bad. But yeah, still under that quarantine, and there doesn't seem to be like an end in sight. No. Like, I think we've actually gone down a couple levels now. <laughs> yeah, and the latest two, actually, we haven't discussed this. I'm surprised I didn't text it to you when I heard about it, but... Uh, the other thing that we talk, uh, most about out of movies and entertainment is sports and college football just had the announcement today about them only playing conference games. And that's still even questionable. So more good news out of quarantine. Yeah. I was talking to our friend Craig about that. And so what's Notre Dame going to do? <laughs> Nothing. Because <laughs> they're not in a conference. Yep, I don't are, think they should be allowed to play, and maybe that'll make them join a conference. I agree. Or maybe they should just play a bunch of the FCS teams that all the <laughs> Power Five canceled with. Yeah, that'd be a good thing. Because then they would give them money because those schools needed the money from those games, and then Notre Dame just looks silly because they're playing like B-League teams. They would still make like the playoff or something. Oh my word! Show your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so aside from sports, um, you know, with the quarantine going on, I'd say that really that one of the only positives about it is that we're home enough and we have time to watch some some stuff. So, what have you been watching? Well, for me, still, it's been kind of the normal shows, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Family Guy, and I've been sinking a lot of time still into gaming with The Last of Us Part Two and trying to finish that game. I don't know if I'm just, like, being really slow with it and doing way more than I need to, but it has taken a long time for me to beat the game, and I'm still not there. It's kind of like uh, how we talked a few weeks ago about how some movies do that thing where it's just like, oh, it's done. It's not done. Oh, this is the ending. This isn't really the ending. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the game did. I thought I got to the end, and then they pulled a fast one on me and was just like, oh, guess what? There's more game to play. <laughs> so I can't. I don't really complain because I enjoy the game, but at the same time, mm-hmm. like I was trying to explain it to somebody. I was like, I'm not annoyed that the game's not done, but there are just some questions I want answered. And I, so I want to like feel like I'm progressing, you know, 
It's kind of like right. when you're watching a TV show. You don't necessarily want the TV show to end, but you want some questions answered along the way. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like it's really drawn out. So I'll eventually get there and uh, and all that stuff. So, But actually, speaking about The Last of Us and then what you've been doing or watching, I know you've got a little bit related to that too. Yeah, I finally started playing uh, the original Last for Us or Last of Us. Um, you know, I downloaded it well, a few months ago now, wasn't it? When it was free on PSN. Yeah. Yeah. Finally had a chance to download it and, you know, start it. I got a little bit into it and it's just the last couple of days I haven't had too much time to really play it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really all the gaming I've been doing. Um, we've been continuing with Big Bang Theory, especially on the last episode. So we've finishing that tomorrow. Uh, watched a little bit of Fresh Prince. I watched some newer seasons of Family Guy episodes I missed. Not like the, the latest season, but like the one before that. Okay. I realized I didn't watch that one, but I've watched the latest one. So it's kind of interesting to go back. And oh, watched a lot of angry video game nerd videos lately. <laughs> going back and watching those and I kind of forgot like how much he used to swear like in the old ones. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he swore like way more than he does now. Uh, he actually had a new one come out last week after we did the podcast, so it kind of got me back into it. Nice. Always lots of fun. Um that's that's pretty much it. Uh, so I guess we can get into Did you know? So, did you know our segment where we give useless facts that you can impress people with or make them roll their eyes? And this time, Caleb, it's your turn. What do you got? All right, so I may be kind of repeating myself from a previous episode, but if you don't know it, I am, uh, I wouldn't say like a history nerd, but I'm a fan of history. I always like learning things from the past and just unique, interesting facts and events. And uh, so this one, we're going to be going back to a fairly recognizable figure in history and that is Napoleon Bonaparte. And so did you know that at one point Napoleon was attacked by thousands of rabbits? What? <laughs> yeah, the, it's it might be a little bit misleading, but it's a funny story. So apparently um, after he... Uh, after a military victory, I don't know which specific one, one of uh, Napoleon's chief of staff organized a rabbit hunt as a form of a celebration. And so they got thousands of rabbits and they brought them in and they were going to set them loose. But instead of the rabbits running away to be hunt uh, hunted, they mm-hmm. turned and attacked everybody at the party. Um, and every time I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking of Monty Python, but, um, 
they uh and so they tried to like you know the everybody at the party tried to like scare them and get them to go and run off so they could do the hunting thing but mm-hmm. after failing to do that and the rabbits just like swarming over everybody at the party uh napoleon uh evacuated to safety so he may have won many military victories, but apparently the rabbits are what did him in. <laughs> uh, that's kind of hilarious. So I, I pretty... wondered where you were going with that. I'm like, okay, there's going to be a catch to it. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of a catch, but I'm pretty sure that most people tuning in have probably not heard that story. So for your health. Yes, informative and historical. So from there, we can move on into our main topic of the week. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks. And I'm getting very scared. Welcome to sleepaway camp. Someone is watching you. Hey, Baba, Reba! Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Sleepaway camp. You won't be coming home. So the topic of the week, we'll be talking about the 1983 slasher movie Sleepaway Camp. It was directed by Robert Hiltzig. And the plot is Angela Baker, a shy, traumatized young girl, is sent to a summer camp with her cousin. Shortly after her arrival, anyone with sinister or less than honorable intentions gets their comeuppance. Um, that's kind of a kind of a weird plot wrap up, I guess. Yeah, because I feel like there's, you know, with most slasher movies, there's like a red herring. Mm-hmm. You know, try to divert your attention away from who the real killer is, and I feel like that plot just kind of ignores that. Yeah, I feel like it would have almost been better to describe it as, um, you know, campers just begin to mysteriously have accidents because not even uh, all of them were dying. They were just like getting serious injuries. Yeah, there's quite a few that just get serious injuries. So So the cast for the movie is Felissa Rose as Angela. Jonathan Tierston as Ricky, Karen Fields as Judy, Christopher Collette as Paul, and Mike Kellen as Mel. So along with the the great intro that we got um, from Felissa Rose, we were able to get another little thing for you guys. Um, We'll be throwing that in at the end of the episode, so look forward to that. Um, Got a pretty big cast in this movie. Those are just like the main ones. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's a summer camp. There's a lot of people working there, and there's a lot of kids at the camp. Um, you know, I guess with this, we can just talk about what happens. I mean, there's 
really don't want to go like into super detail on it, but um, so basically, you know, we get to meet. The movie starts off with uh, a guy and like his two kids on a small sailboat on a lake, and you know they're just enjoying their the sun and being out on the lake and stuff in the summer. And, um, you know, the boat capsizes and then there's like a, some teenagers going around on a speedboat. They're not paying attention where they're going. And they basically run over the family and you see, you know, the father kind of floating by. And then you see one of the kids floating by and, um, you know, you get people get the, one of the, the girls that was water skiing, behind the boat screaming, you know, oh, we got to help them. And then it just, it goes from there to, um, we see the girl is with uh, her cousin and her aunt and they're getting ready to go to summer camp. So she's been pretty much like adopted, you know, since the, the father and brother died in the accident. Yeah. Uh, and it was, she's like, it was what eight years later or something? Yeah, right? something like that. I that was one thing I appreciate because I've noticed watching tons of slasher movies that it, it's almost like it's a, always in groups of five. It'd be like five years later, ten years later, twenty years later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a nice, you know, not such a like perfect number, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so you, you could tell like she's very shy, doesn't talk very much, and it doesn't like the idea of going to camp. But you know, they arrive at the camp, and you know, it's right from the get go. You could tell that none of the other girls care for her because you know she's a little different, doesn't speak up, doesn't you know she has a tendency of staring at people, and. You know, I said to you, like, I noticed in this movie um, that Angela doesn't speak in the movie for the first 32 minutes and 25 seconds of the film. Yeah, you. Uh, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because I honestly, I, I, f- I felt like it was setting her up, uh, her character up as being like that. And when she started talking it was uh, okay. I get it. Like there was kind of a dramatic thing that she actually spoke to somebody, but then when she started talking more often, I was almost a little bit disappointed where I was just like, I feel like she's changing almost. Yeah. You can see she starts opening up a little bit to her cousin's friend, Paul, who ends up taking liking to her and, you know, she starts to like him too. And they have kind of like a little summer camp romance going on. Um, so you'll get like your bullies on camp too. There's a gr- group of guys and you know, their, their names really aren't like super important. They're kind of just there for like a body count. Kenny. <laughs> you know, with, a, with a lot of, oh yeah, Kenny. Um, Kenny's the only one of... I remember. <laughs> yeah. I got a couple names here too. Like when I, you know, compiled the, the kill list because with, mm. with slasher movies like that's like, the big thing that people remember is, you know, the kills, the, you know, the goriness and the, the graphics and all like special effects and stuff for the kills plus an ending. And this movie doesn't lack in either of those departments. So <laughs> I don't know the ending. I don't know if a lot happened at the ending. 
<laughs> yeah, for those of you that have seen this movie, um, you know about the ending. If you haven't seen this movie, I will give you a spoiler warning because it's one of those movies where you just have to experience it. Yes, and then FYI, too, we didn't mention this. I think we talked about it maybe last time when we said we were going to be watching this. This was my first experience with this movie. So, Yeah, and I told you like going into it as well that you know, this is the kind of movie like I want you to, to watch it. I'm not going to tell you anything about the ending. I just I want to get your reaction to it because going into it, I, I bought this movie uh, on VHS from a rental place that was going getting like rid of all their VHS tapes. And I didn't really know anything about it. And I was like, oh, you know, this kind of sounds like like a Friday the 13th style movie. So I'll get that. And I was like part of a Facebook group back in the day for slasher movies. And people are like, oh, like Sleepaway Camp has the best ending. And like no one would say like what happened in the ending. Like, oh, like don't don't give away the ending. Like people should just watch it. So I sat down with my roommate and we watched it and we we're both just kind of like shocked at the end. But you know, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll definitely get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, so, you know, we meet, like, the the bullies and stuff, and there's a group of girls that are, like, really mean to Angela. You get Judy, who's, like, the main, like, bitchy kind of promiscuous girl at the camp. And we also get Meg, who's kind of one of them that's in charge. Um, Meg. She's, like, one of the, I would say she's one of the kind of counselors, I guess. Yeah, well, no, she was a counselor. counselor. Yeah, her and and then Susie, who's more like understanding and a little nicer to. Yeah, that's the thing that kind of surprised me. I mean, I get it, like I'm, you know, uh, but I was surprised that they had a counselor be that I don't know trashy of a individual to some of the campers. But hey, I had limited summer camp experiences so i have no idea if uh any counselors were actually <laughs> like that well i had zero summer camp experiences so i just assume that there's always one <laughs> <laughs> um just from watching slasher movies but uh, yeah you know they like they torment her they um say terrible things to her um that judy kind of like seduces Angela's love interest, Paul, and, you know, Angela sees it, so that causes a rift between those two, and, you know, they, at one point, towards the end, like, they pick her up and they throw her in the water, because, like, she never, never goes swimming with any of the other girls, never takes a shower when the other girls take them, and, you know, they just, they rag on her for all that, but, uh, you know, along with the other campers and counselors you also get people that are working there and one character that always stands out to me probably well, mostly for bad reasons is that cook Artie. Artie, yeah yeah that guy was disgusting yes he was <laughs> he everybody's gonna stand there watching the camper show up so they can greet him and they're all running off the bus and he is like making these disgusting remarks about like the young girls and um, you know, like the other guy that works in the kitchen with them. Um, 
Ben. He, yeah, Ben. He says to him, he's like, you know, they're kind of young. And he's like, where I come from, they call them baldies. And it's like makes me shudder every time. Uh, so yeah, he played, guess, he played a good creep. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he just looks like skeezy and creepy. But he makes a move on Angela and you know, Ricky, Angela's cousin, because he's just going on and he yells at the guy and it, it stops him and Angela has time to run away. And that guy, you know, yells in his face, like, don't tell anybody what you saw here or you're going to get it kind of thing. And, um, you know, that's when we start hitting with the quote unquote kills, because like we said, not all of them are kills. So yeah. I, I guess I could just kind of go into that list. So. You know, Artie is the first one to get it. He is boiling corn in like this huge pot. I've never seen a pot that big before. Uh, it is massive. Like you could fit, you could like sit down in that thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's enormous. So he goes and he's standing on top of a chair so he can reach the top of the pot and he's like putting salt in there and checking it, how it's boiling and all that. Well, we see like these hands come in and grab the chair and he's like hey stop horsing around it's like you could have you could have killed me or something like that and you know slowly the hands start pulling the chair away and he's yelling to cuss them out and they yank the chair away and all the boiling water falls on him and he's laying on the ground and just screaming and he's got like all these horrible burns all over him mm-hmm. and the paramedics come and pick him up so that's one of them that's like it's not a kill but it's pretty gruesome yeah, and and also, uh, kind of on that note in general with this, I so coming in with no knowledge whatsoever, I thought the special effects and everything were pretty decent. Yeah, they are fairly good for a movie that has a small budget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'll get a little bit in more with the special effects and like the budget and all that kind of stuff when I get to the facts part. Yeah. But, so after he goes down, you know, the Kenny that we mentioned was next. He gets drowned in a lake. <laughs> uh, he's in a canoe with a girl. I can't remember her name. And he flips it, kind of joking around, kind of trying to flirt with her. Girl gets irritated and leaves. And he's kind of under the canoe, just being stupid. And, you know, the, the quote unquote killer pops up and drowns him. And another great special effect is that we see him like the next day when he's discovered just laying there dead under the canoe and like a snake comes out of his mouth. Yeah. That was, that was pretty gruesome. Mm -hmm. And one glaring weird, unusual thing that happens before this is that all the guys go skinny dipping without the girls. Yeah, and they even mentioned too, like we're gonna go skinny dipping, and and one guy says it's like ten of us and like three girls. Like, how fun is that gonna be? And that's they try to get Angela to go. Yeah, and, you know and, she won't she won't talk to anybody. But then none of the girls went. Yeah, none of the girls they're there, but none of them go skinny dipping. So it's just like, and he, of course you get to see like five guys butts and i'm like oh okay <laughs> yeah i was just kind of like okay i had limited like there weren't that many experiences in my life with uh skinny dipping and everything but 
I don't know that there was ever a time that just a bunch of guys went. That um, I thought that was a little <laughs> unusual. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so the next one we get is is kind of a an interesting one too because it really doesn't for a slasher movie it doesn't involve any slashing. So one of the guy bullies um, at the camp named Billy he gets killed by he goes into the bathroom and he's like sitting in the stall. The killer blocks the door by putting a like a mop through the handles mm-hmm. and then cuts open the screen to the window and drops in like a huge beehive. And he yeah. basically just gets stung to death. Um, the special effects on that one were pretty good too. You know, the, we see him like laying on the ground, stings all over him. He's got bees all over his face. Mm-hmm. The, the next one that gets her comeuppance is Meg. She gets stabbed in the back, like through the shower wall, and sliced down her back with a big knife. Yeah, there's your there's your slasher element. Uh, yep. And like the next one is, I mentioned to you before talking about slasher movies. A lot of times the kills will happen off screen, mm-hmm. and this is when we get four campers that are hacked up in sleeping bags. And they're that, just kind of like discovered. That one surprised me. Yeah, because they were kids. They were younger kids. Yeah. And so you said, hey, at the end, there's a twist. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to think of different things and like keep my eye out for different things. And then when it showed that the kids were looking like they were going to get killed, I was just like, is this it? And I was just like, it's really, un- it seems really unusual to me that such young kids would get killed in a slasher movie. And I was like, eh, no, that's, that's not extreme enough from the way that you were presenting it. But I mean, again, for anyone who might not have the context, I don't have the horror movie background that Brandon does. So I was just, I didn't know, like, I don't think I can recall another slasher movie that, you know, young kids were killed in. So I thought that was kind of unusual too. Yeah, that's it surprised me the first time I saw it as well. Uh, so the next one is Judy finally gets her her due. Um, she gets smothered with a pillow, and then probably one of the more gruesome kills in a slasher movie. She gets a curling iron like inserted between her legs. <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean they they filmed it well and everything. Because you knew what was going on, but I was, yeah, it was just, that one will stick with you. Yeah, apparently, so her death was originally way more graphic, and, you know, she fought more during it, and it was more kind of in your face, and it had to be cut back so they could keep the R rating. Oh, dang. Yeah. So I'm not sure if like the original filming is still around or if that was just something that was you know written out and they just cut it back while they were filming. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then the next one to go is Mel. He is the owner of the camp. He gets shot in the throat with an arrow. Yeah, that one was that was kind of um 
don't know if I would say surprising. It happened so fast because mm-hmm. I was kind of waiting for the way that they had done it before. They kind of like cut away and come back or something with the special effects and everything. That was really quick, and I couldn't tell exactly. I only watched it once. I didn't go back and rewatch it. But I was really kind of curious how they pulled out because they did a good job with pulling that off. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty well done, and like I didn't first time I saw, I didn't see that coming either. And then the last death, um, we will get to that one in a little minute. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so we mentioned before that Angela and Paul kind of have like a little romance going on, and there's a part where that always stands out to me. So Angela and Paul are like kind of messing around, wrestling around with each other. And he's like trying to make out with her. And she's obviously not having it. And then she has like some flashback of her sitting on a bed with, I'm assuming is Ricky. Is that who it is? Or is that uh, her brother? I, I, it's gotta be Ricky. Okay. Because, and he's like, they're both yeah. sitting there kind of looking at each other and he's like moving his finger like closer and closer to her. And then once he's about to touch her, then she freaks out and like pushes Paul off her and runs away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he apologizes and everything for it. And she just doesn't really want anything to do with him. And that's when he starts, or Judy like seduces him and they kiss and Angela sees it. And he, he feels bad because, you know, that wasn't like his plan. So he kind of runs after her. And he apologizes, and she says, you know, wants him to like, go swimming at night and meet me, you know, meet me by the water at such and such time. So he decides to to go and do that. And he's all excited. And he's like, oh, I finally, you know, I've kissed this girl. Now, you know, we'll fool around a little bit or something. And that is when we get to the crazy ending. <laughs> so, um, that's when they start realizing that all these people have been killed off. They're trying to find, it's like, there's a killer here. Everybody needs to stick together. We need to get everybody, you know, in their cabins while the cops, you know, look for this killer. And they're like, oh my God, where's Angela? And they're like, well, she's down by the beach with Paul. So they walk down there. Well, when they were looking, there was a funny thing, and I'm wondering if you kind of picked it up, picked up on it when they were having that conversation about like, oh my gosh, somebody's killing, killing people. Yeah. They're at first like, okay, everybody, you need to go back to your cabins and make sure the kids are okay. And then they start talking about it. And then they're like, okay, forget that. We're going to go look for people in the woods. So they're just like, (laughs) screw the campers. We're going to go look around and try to find some stuff. And I just thought it was kind of funny how they scraped, scratched the plan of being like, let's think of camper safety. Uh, no, let's just go ser- send a search party out and just leave everybody in the cabin. Well, it's obviously didn't care about camper safety to begin with because how many died? There was like four or five that died and then Mel kept wanting to keep the camp open. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, we just won't tell them. <laughs> well, the parents that they had an accident, but we won't tell anybody else what happened and yeah, we're just we're good. We don't want to miss out on the money that they're giving me. Um, so you know they're going around looking, and they find Angela on the beach, and she's got like her back to them. And spoiler alert: 
Warning! 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 Then we get like another flashback. And this is where like I guess shit hits the fan where it starts going <laughs> kinda crazy. It gets, it gets <laughs> interesting. So we get a scene of a young kid that we're to assume is Angela as their head all bandaged up and the aunt is talking saying, you know, we've already, we already have a boy. So another one just wouldn't do. So it only makes sense to have a little girl. And I've always wanted a little girl. And it's like, I think that calls her Angela. It's like, I think that's a great name. And I think it means angel. And I'm sure it does. And then we cut quick from that. And all of a sudden, Angela stands up, turns around, and has like this deranged look on her face. And she's standing there with a knife in her hand, naked, holding Paul's severed head. And she is obviously a, a guy. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty evident that she was yeah. a guy. Well, let's just say, in the words of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, she was hanging dong. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! And the, you know they're just like, oh my god! Like she was a boy, and then they like, zoom in on her face, and it does like this weird fade out, and that's the end of the movie. Yes, and so with that, I found it interesting that there was okay. Yes, definitely in a situation like that, there's going to be the shock and awe of you thought somebody was a girl, but they're actually a boy. But then at the same time, you also have to recognize that she just killed a guy. And I don't know if she just cut off his head or like actually like nodded off. Didn't she have blood on her face? She had blood all over her pretty much. Yeah. And you know, we have to mention too, that this whole time they made it seem, you know, they made it seem like she wasn't quite right. And there was something that happened in her past that has like affected her deeply. But at the same time, her cousin Ricky has really bad anger problems. Mm -hmm. So people are led to believe, especially Mel believes that Ricky is the one killing people. And he actually beats Ricky down. Yeah. Just the first time I saw this movie, that ending, I was just like, because it happens so fast. You know, Mm -hmm. it, it literally happens in like the last five minutes of the movie and there's nothing after it and you know we've talked before about movies not knowing when to end this movie was perfect with that yeah they had the reveal at the end they didn't explain like i mean they explained it but they didn't like over explain it i guess and they didn't have like any follow-up with it it was just like she's a boy she killed this kid this is why you know, she's dressed like a girl and yeah. And, and like, it's, a, it's a movie like I watched and after the ending, I sat there and for a while and just like, what did I just watch? Like <laughs> what? Yeah. You and I were talking about just a little bit um, earlier today and I was kind of like, you know, this is a decent movie, mm-hmm. but like, if you just look at it up until the end of the movie, the ending like sets it apart. I mean, it just, uh, I don't know if I would say iconic exactly, but there, especially for me, I know you've seen a lot more than I have, but there is nothing quite like it. It sets itself apart, it is going to be memorable. 
if you see it at once, you are not going to forget it. And uh, the ending, as you were saying, yeah, they did a great job with it. They didn't make it too long. Like, honestly, with some of the scenes, too, that they had in here, they kind of, I felt like they kind of drug things out a little bit longer than they needed to. But that ending was really well done. Like, they kept it ambiguous enough that you didn't quite know exactly what was going to be coming. And then mm-hmm. they did the reveal, and it was really fast. And then end of movie they didn't go into does she kill anybody else does she get caught what happens it was just like this is what it was all leading up to now you get the answer of who was doing this and kind of like why they were messed up and everything and that's it yeah and you know it's a movie too like now that you know the ending you look back and you notice like all the subtle hints of what the ending is going to be yes but I've never really talked to anybody that's seen this that saw that coming. Oh yeah, no, no. I was so when you told me the end has a really crazy twist, I was just like, okay. So I was watching it and I was thinking, uh, at one point I was just like, well, maybe the dead brother, quote unquote, wasn't really dead because mm-hmm. I don't know this for sure. But was that camp on the same lake? I'm or- not sure that it's quite possible. Because I couldn't tell if it was the camp that was at in the opening scene on the lake or not. I couldn't it's tell. Quite, it's quite possible, yeah. So, either way, I was kind of thinking, I don't know if maybe this is the brother that they thought died, but he really didn't. Yeah. Um, and then also at one point, too, I thought, oh, maybe it's the aunt because she's being overly protective of the girl and she's like been watching, stalking, hunting. But then I realized that when the first guy got attacked he referenced the person as a kid. So I was just like, okay, well, that can't be that. So, yeah, no, nothing that came to my mind got me even close to what the twist was. Um, I mean, I got it, like, when they started that flashback, Mm -hmm. I, I got it, like, just a minute or maybe seconds before they really kind of opened it up. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, it was, I would be hard pressed to believe that anyone would be able to figure that out at that time. Yeah. And I mean, it's a movie too, where you don't really wonder who the killer is because I wasn't really thinking it was Ricky the whole time. The first time I saw it, I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, it's pretty obvious to me that Angela is the killer. Yeah. But the fact that Angela is not who you think she is, is the, the real, the real twist. Yeah. Um, no. And I guess, you know, we can get into kind of things that things that we found interesting with it. And I mean, we already kind of discussing the ending so we can kind of elaborate from there. What, what were you going to say? One thing still connected with the ending. And I don't know if this is maybe in something that you've got with like trivia and things like that. But when it happened, it was kind of now, of course, this movie is not the most popular movie. If you say sleepaway camp to the average person, they're not going to know what you're talking about, but it made me think of other iconic movie moments where nobody knew what was going to happen. And so do you know, like, was it well known what the ending was going to be? Or was it just like a small group of people that were aware of what the actual ending was going to be? That I'm not sure of. Because I would find that really interesting because kind of like the whole uh, Star Wars 
Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, you are my father, or I am your father thing, mm. where only a spoiler. Set number... <laughs> spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> um, where only a few people knew about it, you know. Mm-hmm. I I was kind of like, this would have been crazy. Like, could you imagine if you were in that movie? And you watched it and you didn't know that that was going to be the case. Like you just knew Angela's the killer. And then they, the only people that filmed the last scene were, you know, the two people that found them, Angela and Paul. And then, you know, the couple camera people. Yeah. Like Um, something that that idea reminds me of that I was telling my wife of today is, you know, the scene in aliens where the, the alien burst out of the guy's chest. Oh yeah. Yep. Like, no one in that scene knew that's what was going to happen. Yeah, I heard that. So story. all the reactions are, like, genuine. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if they wouldn't have told anybody that's what the ending was, except for, um, you know, Angela or whatever, then that would have been pretty crazy. Yeah, so that would be interesting if there's ever a way to find that out. But I, and now there's one. So you're talking about interesting things about the movie and everything. I didn't know exactly when to say it, so I'm going to say it now. Mm-hmm. Who is there anything, anyone, whatever, that when you see Angela makes you think of something else? Mm-hmm. Like just the look of her? I, I don't want to get too specific. Like, does, <laughs> does the character Angela remind you of anything else in any way, shape, or form? Not really. I could not get past this the whole entire time until she started talking more. I constantly thought of Eleven from Stranger Things. Okay, yeah, I like, can see that. Seriously, if you go back and watch it, she even kind of, they kind of even look a little bit alike. Mm-hmm. And so I was just every time she was there and she wasn't talking, she was being quiet. And the way that she would look and everything with that blank stare, yeah. I was just like, it was almost like seared into my head. I was just like, there, it, it to me, and I know it might not be everybody, but it to me was so similar. I was just like, <laughs> I, I almost felt like Eleven um, almost played off of that persona that Angela had in this towards the beginning of shy, awkward, not talking um because angela uh Felissa rose did a really good job of capturing mm-hmm. that awkward um but still a- a- acting and kind of having a limited re- I-, I don't know it just worked really well and i felt the similar way when 11 was doing stuff in stranger things especially the first season and all that so yeah that that was something that was in my head the entire time when i was watching this movie so yeah. I might be I might be the only one. <laughs> no, that's pretty interesting, and I never really thought about that, but I, I see it now that you say that. Um, so one of the other like scenes that I never really understood, and doesn't ever really get talked about, because I mean, when this movie, people always talk about the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about the scene with her dad and another guy in bed? Yeah, that flashback what was going on with that? And like her and her brother were watching. 
I don't know if that was just them trying. Well, okay. It it's so actually no shoot. I'm trying to remember now. So maybe in that part where the boy was about to touch the girl, maybe that was her and her brother. Yeah, I think it might have been. Or actually, technically, that technically then that would be him and his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as far as the standpoint of their dad in the bed with another guy, it felt like that was kind of setting it up for maybe like why was Angela, the boy, having a relationship with another boy when she knew she was a boy originally. Yeah. And kind of maybe that kind of what set that up or where that thought thinking came from and some some things that just added to that. Not even to mention when you were talking about the aunt that she was completely like crazy. Oh, yeah, completely and utterly nuts. Like you like you explained a little bit about her, but you didn't mention uh, just to kind of let people know if they haven't seen it. Like the aunt totally crazy. And she yeah. reminded me of um, the that witch and troll t- uh, troll two <laughs> that she she took it a little bit far yeah like in her acting <laughs> yeah like i almost yeah, felt like I, part of the time she was yelling too yeah my notes said that she completely devours the scenery <laughs> <laughs> just chews it off um yeah i think maybe like maybe the actress was like it plays more than she was movies because i know like when you do plays you have to pr- kind of project Oh yeah, your voice more. So mm-hmm. sometimes you know, primarily play and like Broadway actors have a harder time with film. But either that or she was just some random person that they got that was just terrible at acting. Yeah. But um, you know, other than those, I I was just kind of taking notes as I watched this, and you know, I watched this movie in the last couple of weeks maybe three times. To kind of try to, it's one of those movies that you can pick up on different things every time you watch it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and you know, I wasn't like actively watching, I kind of just had it on in the background. But uh, one thing I noticed is like the the short shorts are like super strong in this movie. Oh my gosh, yes, <laughs> there are so many short shorts. The 80s were so strong in this, yeah. yeah. I said there's more short shorts in this than a 1980s basketball game. <laughs> Uh, and kind of like a um continuity error so there's a scene where they're like in the mess hall and there's two guys sitting next to judy talking to her and they cut to paul and angela talking and then they cut back to judy and it's two different guys oh really (laughs) what were they the first time yeah they're sitting in like the same position nice maybe they were just trying to drive home the idea that she uh, gets around. Yeah. And <laughs> another thing I texted you before I even put this movie on the list, I watched it like a month or so ago. Um, the cop. So when he shows up the first time, the cop has a normal mustache, like a, a natural mustache. And it's oh, it does? Yeah. And then the okay. next time he shows up, when he discovers Judy's body, he has a fake mustache and it's horribly fake. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's black and the guy's got brown hair. Apparently like 
that actor was off like doing some other movie and he shaved his mustache and then they had to bring him back for like another scene. Oh gosh. <laughs> so they put a fake one on him. I was wondering what the story was behind that, but I actually didn't realize like, cause they never did. Well, actually no, they did do pretty close up. I guess I just didn't notice cause I wasn't sure if it had been fake the whole time or if they just kind of kept their distance enough at the beginning so that you can tell it was fake. But yeah, it was, it was definitely real the first time. And then the second time it was a really bad fake mustache. <laughs> yes, it, it was like as soon as, cause I think you really saw it when he stepped out of the cabin Yeah, is when it was close up and it was just like, boom in your face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they took a piece of electrical tape and then cut fringe into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad it looks. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about the acting and how the ant is pretty over the top and pretty bad. Um, but Felissa Rose does a really good job as Angela. I mean, she doesn't, like I said, she doesn't talk for like the first half hour of the movie, but just like her mannerisms kind of gives that creepy vibe at the same time. A girl that obviously is like emotionally scarred and has a hard time like letting her guard down and you know, interacting with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the Jonathan Tiersten as Ricky did a really good job too. Yeah. Um, as like kind of the protective, you know, almost acting like an older brother. Cause you know, he grew up with her. So I thought he did a pretty good job with that. And he's got some good personality and he's kind of like fun loving guy, but he's got a bad temper. And Karen Fields as Judy was great. Yeah. Like, she is such a bitch in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) She did did such a great job. Oh, yeah, Yeah. for sure. And she's, you know, there's a couple times where, like, her delivery on lines were, you know, relatively bad. But, you know, this was early in her career, so she didn't have very many roles before this. And being the whole cast for this movie was a bunch of relatively, like, unknowns. Oh, yeah, and they were so young, too. That was one thing that really surprised me when this started on realizing how young the main characters were. Like, I was expecting, you know, like, high school students or, you know, focusing more, again, like I said, since I didn't know anything, that there was going to be a focus on counselors or something. Yeah. But the main focus was on essentially kind of like, I don't know, middle school, maybe freshman in high school. Yeah. Kind of, so... You know, we get a wide variety of ages. You know, I would say they go anywhere from like, but some of the younger kids are maybe like fourth grade. Yeah, no, yeah, that was the thing. Like those really young kids and then they wound up like getting killed. I was like, whoa. Yeah, probably like fourth grade until probably like some seniors, maybe like some of the the counselors like Meg was probably like a senior or something like that. Then we get a couple older guys like the big muscle guy with the big, thick flowy hair honey i think was it yeah something up. Like, he uh, was he was one of my favorites because all like all the outfits they had and then he it seemed like he would like jump in to save the day or be the nice guy and it, it just was i thought he belonged on baywatch yeah i could see that um yeah kind of just meathead but he's got like a soft side 
Yeah, he was always trying to be the nice guy, the peacekeeper, and so. Yeah, yeah, Baywatch. That's <laughs> <laughs> I could see him fitting right in there with Hasselhoff. But, yeah, I loved. I loved all the uh, crop tops too. Oh yeah, guys in crop tops, <laughs> crop tops and short shorts. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, and we also mentioned the guy that played Artie. He did a good job as well, too, because he was just creepy as heck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I guess I can get into some of my facts. And I got quite a bit for this movie, because it's just it's such an interesting movie and so many things that went into it. Um, so I'll get with some of the cast here. So the guy that played Ben, do you know who that is? Um. No, but I see his name, his, and now I'm taking guesses. His name is Robert Earl Jones, and he is James Earl Jones's father. Oh, really? Oh man, I thought I it was did not play. know that until like a week ago. That's <laughs> it, crazy. It blew my mind because if you listen to his voice now, you can totally hear it. He sounds just like James Earl Jones. Yeah, I was thinking that he would be uh, a um. Oh, sorry, like a brother or cousin or something, maybe. Or no, so, it's James Earl Jones's father. That's crazy. That's cool. And another interesting one here. So at the beginning of the movie, they have so Angela's actual name was Peter. Okay. Um, and young Peter is played by Maximo Sorrentino, aka the Situation's brother. The situation from Jersey Shore. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> this movie was shot in um, New Jersey. So nice. Yeah, he had like a couple small roles and things back in the eighties. And then, you know, after the situation got famous from the Jersey Shore, they had a show called The Sorrentinos and he was in that. So, Felissa Rose's mother didn't like the idea of her daughter killing all the people. So, the killer, so the scenes of the killer were actually Jonathan Tierston. And it's pretty obvious now with, because what we watched on Tubi is like the 4K or like the 2K or something like that um, restoration of the original film. Okay. So it's pretty obvious that when he's standing in a doorway, you know, because they have like that harsh lighting in the background and the background. So you kind of just see a black figure, mm-hmm. but you can, with the new restoration, you can see easy that it's Jonathan Tierston and not Felissa Rose. Okay. Like it was quick enough that I wasn't sure, but I felt like they were kind of, I didn't know if they were doing it on purpose and still trying to be like, Oh, is it Angela or Ricky? Because you could see his haircut with mm-hmm. hers. So yep. I was like, okay, are they doing that on purpose to try to confuse you or what's going on? So that's interesting that you pointed that out. Uh, it, actually, yeah, uh, one time too, when I noticed that it looked like shorter hair than um, Angela's hair mm-hmm. was when uh, they killed Kenny under the canoe. Yeah. And this movie, it kind of makes me laugh. It was a thing that I noticed watching these old slasher movies. When you don't know who the killer is, so, you know, much like the first Friday the 13th, 
um, the like the um, people getting killed will say something like, "Oh, it's you. What are you doing here? <laughs> what are yeah. you doing way out here?" Yeah. So like, they never say like, "Oh, hey, Angela," or something like that, and it's, that always cracks me up. Yeah, no, for sure. There were a couple times that it was it was kind of awkward how they deliberately kept it ambiguous, but yeah, uh, yeah, that always cracks me up. That the victims will just not say a name. Um, so the ending um, was done with a college student that they got um, wearing a Felissa Rose mask, and they got him. Like they asked him to do that. He kind of, you know, was nervous about it. So he got drunk beforehand. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and there's actually a scene where you can see him like changing in the background. Oh, really? Yeah. You can see him like really slightly. It's like in between like the bottom of a canoe and like the top of the grass. You can kind of see like him changing in the background and the stuff he had to wear. Um, so another interesting thing too with the ending, there is a movie from 1992 called The Crying Game. Okay. Which has a very similar ending. And hmm. that one's kind of infamous too, but you know, that was a little more known. It's kind of the other way around, I think, where you know, the the person is a girl dressed as a boy. Okay. But yeah, it kind of goes unlooked that a lot of people don't realize that Sleepaway Camp did it first. Hmm. And actually, The Crying Game has a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I feel like that movie kind of owes a little bit to Sleepaway Camp. Hmm. So you, you've the... seen that one, you said? No, I haven't seen it, but I know that's kind of one of those where everybody knows the twist ending in it Okay, where it's like, it's a well-known movie enough where people know what happens. Kind of like the sixth sense. What happens in the sixth sense? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so the next one is, so Jonathan Tierston in casting, he was only asked to scream obscenities. <laughs> so that sounds you know, it's like, yeah, in the movie, like like I said, he's got a bad temper, and like he just comes unhinged a few times. Uh, so that's kind of kind of funny to think of. Uh, when Felissa Rose was was casted, they only asked her to sit there quietly with a blank look on her face, eating a candy bar. Interesting. Yeah, and she was paid five thousand dollars for her performance. Oh. <laughs> So another casting thing here. So Judy was originally going to be blonde and she was going to be played by Jane Krakowski. I don't know if you know who that is. She's no. in uh, 30 rock. Okay. She's yeah, blonde woman at 30 rock. Um, but when Karen Fields auditioned, they liked her like so much and thought that she did such a great job that they changed the script to make her have brunette hair. Hmm. Well, she did so, do a good job. Yeah, she really did. Um, it's kind of interesting to think of how Jane Krakowski would have done. But, yeah. Um, at the time, she was in National Lampoon's Vacation as one of Kenny, or Cousin Eddie's daughters. 
Nice. Yeah. Um, so this movie was shot in the early fall. And you could tell that by the opening title slide. But the rest of the movie, like all the brown leaves, they've spray painted green to make it like summer. Nice. <laughs> so at the beginning of the movie, there's a whole bunch of campers getting off the bus and running towards the camp. That was mostly Felissa Rose's family. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> That's and funny. Scenes where they had people that were, you know, like the paramedics and everything were actual paramedics from the nearby town. And some of the extras in the movie were just like people from town that wanted to be part of the movie. Uh, that sounds that sounds about right. A lot of those smaller movies do some of that, but that's funny about our it, family. Um, yeah, because you know the budget for this movie was only three hundred and fifty thousand mm. dollars, and it made it made eleven million dollars in the box office. Wow. Yeah, and it's you know it just had to be word of mouth with a crazy ending. Yeah, you know, and at the time, nineteen eighty three. You know, the slasher movie was like huge at the time. You know, because Friday the 13th was already out and things like Prom Night and The Prowler, uh, My Bloody Valentine and all that stuff. And, you know, two Halloween movies by that time. So I mentioned, too, with, you know, the Artie's quote unquote, you know, death where he gets basically boiled. Um, the way they did did that is they propped him up on a fake floor and then he had uh, obviously you know makeup and latex things attached to his face and they on the other side of the board that he was propped up on there was an effects effects people like pumping in liquid gelatin into the blisters he had on his face to make him pulsate i was wondering if it might be something like that yeah i found that kind of interesting Mm-hmm. So and the last one I've got here is Mike Kellen. He was the actor that played Mel. He was like super, like greatly ill during the filming of this. Really? And he hid, he hid that from everybody because he didn't want anybody to know. And he knew like he was like terminal with lung cancer. Oh man. And he passed away three months before the, re- the release of the movie. Oh man. Yeah. So he didn't even get to see that it was like, you know, a huge success. That's crazy. Well, I mean, kind of a good way to go out with, <laughs> you know, how successful that movie ended up being. Yeah. That's, yeah, I just clicked on his IMDb. And so that's the last one on his acting list. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a, a real quick comment. That was kind of an interesting, I felt like that was a weird dynamic with, him being the owner, not so much him being the owner, but the fact then that the counselor Meg was yeah, like, was like hitting on him. Yeah, and I was like, really? I mean, I can she understand. Was all that. excited that they were gonna like fool around <laughs> with each other, and he's like this old kind of rough-looking dude. Yeah, like I understand that dynamic. Like they, I, that's been played in other movies before, where a counselor is, uh, you know, has a fling with the owner or whatever, but he's like old yeah he's like quite 60s yeah so that was i just thought that was kind of interesting yeah so that is all i got for the trivia and facts but we can move on into my small segment of hanks for nothing and it is worth noting that as we record this today it is tom hanks's birthday 
Oh my god. <laughs> and if you guys have listened to the show, you know that we love Tom Hanks. So Tom Hanks time... is the greatest human being ever. <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> but every time we watch a movie, I try to find some way to like link the movie to Tom Hanks <laughs> in any way possible. Sometimes it's really difficult, like last time with the prisoner, other times it's pretty simple. Um, this time was a little difficult. I mean, it's a movie that's more like a cult movie in a time where, you know, I guess before Tom Hanks really got known, because he had a few things in the 80s, but it wasn't until like a little bit later. Um, so I had to kind of dig for this, and I found Carl Clifford, the production manager for this movie, was also the production manager on Apollo 13. Nice. Yeah, a little bit of a reach, but I found a way. <laughs> so it oh, continues you... on. And that's kind of been like, as of late, I've been saying, you know, I'm going to keep doing Hanks for nothing until I can't find a way to link a movie to Tom Hanks. Dude, if you were able to find one for The Prisoner, I feel like you're going to be able to find one for <laughs> basically anything. And that was kind of a reach, too. That was just Tom Hanks did in a like an introduction speech for Jackie Chan winning an award. <laughs> yeah, it worked. I, I say that works. I counted it. Uh, so with that out of the way, we can get into our grades. And as always, I pull from two sources, Rotten Tomatoes and Internet Movie Database. Uh, we'll start with Rotten Tomatoes. So there's a critic score and an audience score. What do you think those are? Oh, and that's man. out of a scale of a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, critic score. Let's go with 44%. The critic score is 82. What? Which blew my mind. I couldn't believe that. Like I love this movie and I think it's pretty good. Like, 80s horror movie not even just like slasher I, like out of all 80s horror i think it's pretty good and it's impressive for what they did for like the, how small the budget was mm-hmm. but i didn't see this as a movie that critics would look kindly on yeah i didn't either so that that's why i was thinking like usually the critics for ron tomatoes are so i don't know just stuck up about movies so right that, that blows my mind. And what do you think the audience score is? Uh, the audience, I was going to shoot higher. Man, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking, I'm expecting that the critics might have a better score than the audience for this one. Um, I would say like 69%. You're really close to 60%, oh. which I was a little surprised by. I thought I was, it would be yeah, I was between 69 and 67, so uh, within 10, you know, that's not too bad. Yeah. So IMDb, you know, we got a scale of 10. We got points in there, too. So I got spoiled. Any I, idea. I, I saw you got that. A spoil. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I hate IMDb. They moved, they moved the stupid rating and they have it like all over the page. So mm-hmm. can't avoid it. Yeah. So the IMDb score for this is a 6.3. Yeah. I feel that's it's, it's it's pretty fair, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. I think that's pretty. It's fair. not a movie that everybody will like, but people who like this type of movie usually enjoy it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, what is your grade for it? Um, so let's, let's take the movie as a whole and just ignore the ending for a minute. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was uh, pretty well done. The special effects were, were good. Um, the story was a little bit different um, than some of the other ones I've seen. And uh, I mean, it had its rough patches, some rough acting. And then maybe, like I said, how some s- scenes I felt were kind of drawn out, but o- overall, you know, I mean, it was, it was entertaining and it was good to watch. But then, as I said before, the ending just like, makes it explode and takes it to another level. Mm-hmm. And so if you guys have been keeping up with our ratings and everything before, I'm going to be giving it a four out of five. Okay. I think what would have taken it to a 4.5 out of five would be, um, if some of the things were a little bit refined, like a little bit of the acting was a little bit better. And some of those things that I kind of mentioned, usually I reserve like the five out of five for like, this is such a great movie. Like pretty much I would say anybody and everybody should try to watch it when they can. Right. So it was, it was close to maybe being a 4.5 because that like really honestly, like the uniqueness and the ending sets it apart. So I'm, I'm giving a four out of five. Okay, rock. Um, my grade on it, I, I kind of base my grading a little similar, but kind of on the scale of, you know, one is a movie that I'm never going to watch again and I hated it, where five is going to be one that I really like it and it's something I watch like a fair amount or I've watched more than, you know, maybe five to ten times in my life. So this one, I, I got to give it a five out of five. It's something mm-hmm. I, re- I really enjoy this movie. I love, you know, the ending's awesome. Even on repeat viewings, I still like and really appreciate the ending. And I don't know if that comes from I've seen so many other slasher movies that try to have like these endings, and either you see them coming all the way, or it's just the ending happens. You're like, well, that was stupid. No. So I, you know, or ones that don't even try to like have any kind of twist to it or anything interesting that happens at the end. So the ones that do try like this one, I, I really appreciate them. And, you know, the acting, you know, it's a little spotty in, in, in parts, but I've watched some that were the entire movie is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially for like this genre and for like, you know, the subgenre of, of slasher, there's so many terrible ones that when there's a good one, you appreciate them more. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a five out of five for me. Nice. So with the grades out of the way, we can get on into suggestions. Thank you. <laughs> Showtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have to do that every week, and I know I noticed that I've missed like a week or two of that. You and did. I really, hate, I really hate myself for it. And I think it's just because we don't have the sounds all the time. Yeah. And I just blame your kids for that because they deleted that app off your iPhone. You can blame them. <laughs> I'm hoping as uh, time goes on, we'll get that back. But All right. Well, until then, 
Um, I'll just keep saying that. But suggestions, it is my turn. And I thought a little while about this, and I wanted to kind of stay in the same genre. And then I thought, why don't I just stay with the same series? Which I was talking to you today, and you didn't realize there were sequels to this movie. Yep. So there are um, three in the original Sleepaway Camp uh, series. Uh, the first one that we just talked about. Then there's part two called Unhappy Campers. And then part three, Teenage Wasteland. Um, these are both more of a comedy horror, but they're so like corny and ridiculous that they're great. And they're one of them, like, you can't take them like super seriously. And the kills are pretty hilarious. Um, there's one, and I believe it's part two, where a girl gets drowned to death in an outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Unfortunately, Felissa Rose wasn't brought back as Angela in these movies. They got Bruce Springsteen's sister, Pamela, to play Angela in these movies. And she's, I don't know, she's a little quirky and kind of funny. So it just kind of adds to the whole thing. Um, definitely the first one's the best of the whole series. But if you're looking for something a little silly and kind of offbeat, Check out the other two. Those the whole series is on um, Tubi. So, and I believe they're also on Amazon Prime. Um, I really enjoy the third one. The second one's pretty good too, but I really enjoy the third one. And I'm, I'm not sure why, because I would say most people would say it's probably the worst of the bunch. Mm. But if you're looking for just something stupid and fun to watch, check them out. They're both like maybe an hour and twenty minutes long, and they're not like super long. But with that, we can move into our last segment, which is our quote face-off. I'd like to take his, his face off. Yes. You want to take his face? Yes. His face off. So for quote face-off, we decided since... Today is Tom Hanks' birthday. We would go with Tom Hanks quotes. And since I'm hosting, Caleb, you're up first. What do you got? All right. So uh, there are so many to choose from. I didn't want to go too iconic just because, you know, they get, I wouldn't say they get overused, but I wanted to get something that was a little bit off the beam path. And this was from, man, probably one, if not the first time Hanks movie I saw. And that was okay. uh 1988 big. All right. Total, total classic. And I mean, you just were able to enjoy it even when you were young from the aspect that he's an adult or a kid in an adult's body. So some of the ways he thinks is the way that you think. And this scene is always great in where they're doing kind of like the debrief about a new toy that they're going to release. And it's the, uh, building or skyscraper that turns into a robot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's just the interaction between Tom Hanks's character, uh, Josh and his, uh, coworker, Paul. And, 
that goes, Paul explains everything, and Josh just says, I don't get it. <laughs> what exactly don't you get? It, it turns from a building into a robot, right? Precisely. Well, what's fun about that? Well, if you had read your industry breakdown, you would see that our success in the action figure area has climbed from 27% to 45% in the last two years. There, that might help. Oh. Yes. I, I still don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, classic um, kind of interchange from the the movie um one of my favorite parts in the movie actually uh it's funny that you went with one of his comedies in like a family-friendly comedy because i did as well but i went from the classic toy story uh, i've watched it quite a bit lately because my my daughter's really been into it like the last month or so and i just i don't know it's one of those you don't really pick up on as a kid mm-hmm. and pixar is kind of known for that you know things like pixar and spongebob are really good at putting jokes in there that only adults are going to understand and this one it comes from like a back and forth that woody and buzz lightyear have and it starts off with woody saying we're all very impressed with andy's new toy toy t-o-y Excuse me, I, I think the word you're searching for is Space Ranger. The word I'm searching for, I can't say, because there's preschool toys present. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, every time I hear that, I'm like, I laugh. And it's like, as a kid, I didn't really get it. And like, didn't really pay attention to it. But as like an adult watching it with my daughter, it makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that part always cracks me up. So, we have like a little special thing here at the end. Uh, we were able to get a hold of Felissa Rose, and she was willing to answer a question for us, and we we're really grateful for that, so we thought we'd throw it in here at the end. Um, thanks for listening to the episode, and as always, be kind, rewind. Thank you so much. Um, I would have to say my favorite memory from Sleepaway Camp was hanging out with the whole cast because everyone was super young and fun and we would have parties like it was really Sleepaway Camp. Um, But I also wanted to say to you, meet me at the waterfront after the social. Big hugs and love.